so for those just joining, the reason I'm in a Las Vegas hotel room is I am here in Las Vegas to promote my book. So I have been going on a bunch of radio stations at Radio Row. I'm sorry to disappoint some of you that I'm not doing the show from Radio Row, but they actually shut it down by the time that we were going to do the show. So it's not like open right now and I, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Uh, but uh there's some, I'm trying to post some pictures on Twitter and some of my appearances and stuff like that. But actually the Wi-Fi where I am in my hotel in Circa is quite a bit better than it is at the radio row. So it's probably easier to actually stream this to you guys here anyway. Uh, well, I'm really happy that we have such a huge crowd for the show tonight. Start off by just talking about how a lot of the interviews that I did, of course, the Kirk Cousins situation would come up for all of them. And I didn't run into anybody in a half a dozen or more NFL cities that thought it was a good idea for the Vikings to bring back Kirk Cousins. And it just made me think, yeah, okay, no one's no one's going to think we're nuts for not bringing him back. And most of the comments I got were, hey, Kirk's a pretty likable guy, right? Is that true? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. Uh, he was our media good guy of the year and has endeared himself to this team. But I was also thinking when people were asking me about that, especially in new England, because I don't think he's a great fit for the Boston market, but it, it just, it sort of struck me that would this even be a discussion if cousins had not turned around his public perception and he did it through legitimate leadership in the locker room, which he was empowered to do and had a good relationship with Kevin O'Connell. So it wasn't like something that was made up, uh, but he, made his public perception quite a bit different over the last year and a half, two years, or I guess year and a half worth of football games. If it had been like at the end of 2021, I, there would have been no discussion about this as far as him coming back. I think, I think it would have entirely just been like, all right, on to the next quarterback. So I'm, I'm back a ways in the chat, but I'm going to work my way through for a little while longer. And then I got to preserve my voice and I actually have to be up at like five 30 in the morning tomorrow. So I'm going to finish up some other work uh, in a bit, but we'll keep chatting for a little while. Uh, Mike says, does trading away multiple first to go for a top three guy scare you guys at all? Do you think they clearly are that much better prospects? I'm down for whatever. Uh, KO thinks that um, he deserves a shot. Yeah. So, oh, if, yeah, if KOC thinks that he likes one of those quarterbacks, historically, it's dangerous to trade all the way up to the top. but. I also think that the it is possible that you would much rather trade a lot to get a prospect who could potentially be an elite quarterback versus reaching. So those are kind of your two options. If they think that these guys are in a similar ranking or spot as the mock draft world does, which thinks that all of them are back end of the first type prospects. Now, if you compare, would I rather trade down and take Michael Penix at 20 versus trading everything up to get Jaden Daniels? I still think trading up is probably the answer. It's really about whether that's possible or not. Like, that's the big thing is, can they actually do that? Or is New England just going to take Jaden Daniels and that will be it? And then you have to settle for something else, which could be trading down. And if that's what they settle for, I'll still like it. I'll still think, good, they've got potentially their next quarterback. And if he's not, then draft somebody else. 
Uh, Enigma says, I've said this, if Penix, because Penix is a lefty, uh, see what Darisaw can get you in draft capital. I just wonder if any of you guys watched TJ Clemmings play left tackle for the Vikings, uh, because I think a left tackle is a position that if you get it, you hang on to it forever. That is the way I look at it. You don't let that go. Lefty, righty, somebody throws out of their nose. Like, you, look, the best edge rushers rush off that side, and you need someone to stop them because whether it's pressure in your face or pressure on your backside, I I don't want pressure. Less pressure is be- is better. Um, so I, I would prefer to keep Christian Darisaw unless it gets me Jaden Daniels. Uh, Jamie says, people say that J.J. McCarthy is the next Josh Allen. Uh, Better look at both players' sizes. No comparison. Allen is 50 pounds heavier and two inches taller. I haven't seen that comparison. I guess you have. I have not. Um, J.J. McCarthy has the raw tools to be like a more mobile Jared Goff, maybe. Somebody who throws the ball hard, not always super consistent, but can fit it into windows and really is just excellent at operating an offense. I think that's what his main feature is supposed to be, that he can make really good throws, escape if you need him to. Josh Allen is an all-time freak at the quarterback position. Like, legit all-time freak. Um, not even cl- the only The only comparison to Josh Allen would be Anthony Richardson or Cam Newton or if Bo Jackson played quarterback. Like, those are the only guys that I can think of uh, that are similar um, to Josh Allen. Not, not, not too many. It's like, it's like if an edge rusher played quarterback, there's just not too many. Nobody in this draft is like Josh Allen. Um, not even Caleb Williams, who is significantly smaller, has a lot of skill, but is significantly smaller. Uh, Jay Benedict says, can't we just draft best player available instead of drafting for need every year? Well, uh, yes, yes, you can. Um, but best player available is relative to positional value. Uh, you would reach on a quarterback because if you hit on a quarterback, then you are amazing. Like I just mentioned that the consensus boards that everybody loves so much did not like Patrick Mahomes, the greatest quarterback of an entire generation. So it's not like even something that might be a reach versus consensus boards are uh, a guarantee that the, it's not going to work out. If the quarterback ends up working out, then it's amazing and you're great for a long time, or at very least in their rookie window, you have a chance to compete for the Super Bowl. So reach on a quarterback by all means. I don't care about that. Uh, reach on a linebacker? No, because that's an easier position to replace. For example, uh, reach on a wide receiver? Maybe I would. You know, like there's there, there's a difference when it comes to best player available. Um, at what position it just so happens that the Vikings need to take best player available at key positions like edge rusher. And I think defensive tackle is a very high value position if that player gets pressure. So if they, if they ignore the quarterback position and they've moved on from Kirk, then what's your answer? That's something we were just talking about is you have to have an answer in that scenario. It can't be draft no one and have no quarterbacks because otherwise Jaron Hall's starting. And I guess they would be in line for Shadur Sanders then. Uh, if that happens, uh, is the faithful says, Oh man, I think 24 is going to be rough. I do too. I, I mean, that's to me, that's okay. To me, that's okay. I don't mind that if 24 is rough, but you are developing a quarterback, then that's what we've wanted. 
Like this year was another stuck in the middle type season that they lost just enough to put them in position to maybe potentially draft a quarterback. But I think what we've been talking about for a while is let it go when it comes to, you know, the need to be eight, and nine, nine and eight all the time. Like, let that go really lean into trying to actually rebuild this team to compete because you fell behind trying to do it in 2022 with the other teams in your division. Now, tough versus interesting can be a discussion. If this team is still acting like it's stuck in the middle and brings back Kirk cousins and they have a tough 2024, that's very bad. If they draft quarterback and have a tough 2024, then it could be very interesting, right? Even if the guy has his struggles following from week to week development progress, what's working, what's not working could be a really interesting season. Uh, as opposed to another one where you're just battling for the in the hunt graphic, which I'm very exhausted of uh, after many years of that covering this team. Uh, Horn fan two says build the defense and just let Mullins throw for 400 yards every game. Then we'll have a top five pick and get our quarterback next year. I wonder what would Nick Mullins stat line be if he played in Kevin O'Connell's offense for 17 games. It'd be like 5,200 yards, 38 touchdowns, 41 interceptions. Like, I don't know, something like that. It would be, it would be one of the wildest seasons probably uh, ever, I guess, by a quarterback. It would probably look exactly like Jameis Winston's, even though he does not have the tools of uh, Jameis Winston. Dan says, I'm all right with a D-line pick, but it will be a letdown if they don't take a high quarterback, trading back, or otherwise. Yeah, those quarterbacks historically that are taken in that trade back zone, you get a lot of Brady Quinns there, and that would be concerning, I think, if they were trading back and still trying to take their guy. A lot of Kenny Pickett types. Although, you know, I, I would say that Jordan Love was taken there as a toolsy type of prospect who ended up, you know, being a quarterback that, again, you guys would be quite excited about if you had them. So uh, let's see. Jamie says, I think they should move up before the draft. That way they know what they want is available. Second round picks don't generally work out. Um, Jalen Hurts was the exception. Yeah, for quarterbacks, you're right. Yeah. And that's my point is that about trading up versus trading down. If you're trading down, that means a lot of the league is evaluated this quarterback. It doesn't like him. So that's where, you know, we talk about those reaches and things like that. Um, you know, that's, that's riskier if you're trading down to me than trading up and having the high end be potentially very successful. Uh, Scott says, I'd say McCarthy at his age, uh, Burrow was still at OSU ceiling is different. Uh, but relatable to Richardson in terms of growth. Well, I mean, I get, like with Richardson, there's just no comparison with Richardson and almost anyone uh, because of the physical talent. Like JJ McCarthy is not going to put up numbers at the combine like Anthony Richardson and everybody who's young doesn't have a ceiling. I also think that too. Sometimes we think just because somebody's young that in the distance between 21 and 24, they will close the gap to a better uh, to a better quarterback right now. And that's not a guarantee at all. I mean, I, I guess that that to me is a little bit of like 
mythology with quarterbacks and with players in general in the draft is the idea that they're always just going to solve their weaknesses in between versus an older prospect. But there's a, there's, there's something to that with him uh, that he is younger and, and toolsy, but is he like so much more toolsy that he's that much better than uh, Bo Nix or than Michael Penix that I'm not sure about. Uh, if they take them, then I'll say, great. Like, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. But I'm just not totally convinced that just because someone is younger, like Zach Wilson was younger and toolsy and just never figured it out. And so was Sam Darnold and never figured it out. And I can't, I mean, Joe Burrow is such a different situation. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, every, everything has its ups and downs to doing it. Uh, Ben says, would you want any of the quarterbacks in the top three more than Anthony Richardson? Apparently the Vikings tried to move up for Richardson last year, willing to give up a lot of draft capital. Uh, I liked Anthony Richardson a ton as a prospect. So, I mean, obviously I guess they did too. I I don't know if see like Jay Benedict asks is Jaden Daniels this year's Anthony Richardson. There's so much different as far as age and production. Um, Daniels is actually, no one talks about how he's older, but he's older. Uh, Anthony Richardson, I think was 20. So he's super, super young and has one of the greatest athletic profiles ever. I, I don't know if Daniels will or not. I think so with his speed that he will, but I don't know if his arm is quite Anthony Richardson, but Richardson was so, so raw, so, so, so raw. And Daniels is much closer to what he's going to be. So you have to kind of buy into the idea that, what you're getting with Daniels is closer to what he's going to become versus Anthony Richardson, just because the sample size of him actually playing is so much bigger than it was with Richardson. But um, so it's not like with Richardson, it was just such a big guess from the Colts. And I think they guessed right, but it was this wild swing at this super toolsy raw all-time freak athlete at the position who I think has strong character and everything else that got him drafted high and you saw his leadership right away with Indianapolis. I think that'll continue to get better if he stays healthy. So I don't know about the other stuff with Daniels, the behind the scenes type of stuff. I don't think though he's much of a swing in the dark as far as betting that someone who is pretty bad statistically will suddenly be great. And he kind of was with Indy, uh, but Daniels is amazing statistically. So you're betting on that carrying over, which is, you know, maybe a little, maybe a little safer bet than Richardson was, but Richardson, of course, has the same high end because of his athleticism as someone like Josh Allen. So yeah, it's, they come in all kinds, don't they? I mean, quarterback prospects, it's kind of crazy. Uh, Dan says, Matthew, thanks for the cons on Daniels. Do you think that some of those might turn off KOC or do you think he'd welcome that challenge? What I think, or I'll say what multiple people have said to me is they could see Kevin O'Connell really liking someone who could make a play, a really special play with their legs. Uh, because, yes, uh, pocket quarterbacks are what he's worked with recently, but that doesn't mean that's what he exclusively wants. I mean, if you watch, of course, if you watch Lamar Jackson play or Anthony Richardson in a small sample size uh, earlier this year when he was playing, or Jalen Hurts when he was healthy with his legs and was running, you could see what an impact that has. I mean, if you watched 
even if you watched the Vikings against the Eagles, look at what the running did to the running of the quarterback did to the Vikings defense. And Lamar Jackson has consistently had successful running backs, which I think ties back into Lamar Jackson. He's always taking up so much attention that running backs can have a lot of success. So, you know, I, I mean, I think that it also ties into a successful running game more than we give it credit for like, Oh, the Ravens running backs all average five yards a carry again. Like, well, is that also because linebackers are chasing the quarterback constantly? I think he'd like that. Kevin O'Connell was a running quarterback in college. I don't think he's afraid of it. Um, but there is the question of getting through progressions quickly, getting the ball out of your hands quickly, and not taking devastating sacks. And, and if there's one negative on Jaden Daniels' record, it's that he he took sacks. And uh, you really do not want that. Um, so you'd have to train it out of him. Now, Deshaun Watson took a lot of sacks as well, and he eventually stopped doing that after early in his career. But that's something they'd have to work through. It's like Penix and Knicks get rid of the football. That's a that's a that's a big bonus for them. Whereas Daniels takes a lot more uh, attempts to make a play when nothing is there, you know, stuff like that. So uh, David says, I really think the best option uh, in moving up if the top three quarterbacks is from the 11th pick of the second into the latter part of the first. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Uh, if the top three quarterbacks, if you can't get them. Uh, then moving up from the second into the latter part of the first, that might have to be what they do is to take a defensive player, you know, take, take a defensive player in the first round and then trade back in. If their Intel is telling them that these quarterbacks are going to drop. And if they took a defensive end edge rusher outside linebacker at number 11, and then trade it back up at 20, eight. I don't know who's drafting 28. Doesn't matter. And took JJ McCarthy. I'd be like, great, good plan. Let's see what happens. Now you're going to have to have somebody who, you know, can be your quarterback for a year while you develop McCarthy and really stick to that. I, I think that's important to try to actually stick to that if that's going to be your plan. But if that is the plan, I can get into it. Folks, if you've been listening to the show, then you know how much fun we have been having with prize picks this year. Just go to prizepicks.com slash purple. Use the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. And let me tell you how it works. If you haven't heard us talk about it enough yet, or you haven't tried it yet, very simple. There are yardage totals on prize picks. You either pick more or less, and boom, you are playing. Each week has been a roller coaster ride of fun, and the best part is that when I have a bad week, I didn't lose much. It doesn't cost much to play. You can turn 10 bucks into 250 very easily. And if things go sideways for you, you're not out a whole heck of a lot of money. That is prizepicks.com slash purple. Just more or less on yardage totals and you are in. Prizepicks.com slash purple. The code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. The only thing I'd be concerned about I'm going to, I'm going to drop this into at one hour and 24 minutes into this podcast. So if you made it this far, you get this like just little, just little bit from me. The one thing I would be concerned about is Kevin O'Connell and Kwesi Adafo Mensa not seeing things the same way. That's the one thing I would be a little concerned about, whether it's Kirk, whether it's which quarterback, 
whether it's the approach to getting the quarterback, whether it's how much to spend in free agency, who to spend it on, those types of things. I would be, because this is the type of moment that can kind of make or break a relationship. And I wonder if there was a power struggle between those two over what to do with the roster, how to manage decisions and stuff like that. I wonder who would win. I wonder who would win out. I think Kevin O'Connell would. That's I'm I'm just dropping that in late in the middle of this podcast that I have thought of this. That's all I'm going to say. I've thought of this, of this possibility, because this decision is a huge one. And it's the type that pulls people apart. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, a personnel person in the league told me about uh, their team had traded up. I heard the story maybe a year ago, two years ago. They had traded up to take a player who didn't work out and the player went bust. And then what started to happen was a lot of people inside the building were like, I didn't want that guy. I didn't think we should have traded up. And uh, the person I was talking to, the personnel person was like, wait a minute, we were all on the same page when we made that pick. But when things go wrong, people start to point fingers uh, or when directions that somebody wants to take aren't taken, then, you know, there are, there can be potential friction there. So that's something that I've been thinking about recently is they better be on the same page because if there's friction, I think Kevin O'Connell's the one they're going to pick uh, over Kwesi Adafo Mensa. I'm not sure about that, but that's what I think. All right, let's keep going. Uh, let's see. Horn fan two says, I believe we have 22, 26 to 29 free agents. Hard to fill that many spots through a draft, especially if you sell your soul to move up for a top three spot. Yeah, no, I get it. And that's where this is not a one-year thing. If you draft Jaden Daniels, you have, I believe, six seasons. Now, I know the rookie contract is four, and then there's the fifth-year option. But if you look at the way that any of these quarterbacks' contracts are designed, at least through the fifth and sometimes through the sixth, it's pretty manageable. You've got that long of a runway to use your cap space to build around that player. Now, the Chargers wasted it all on Justin Herbert, but you don't have to fill all of those spots with great players tomorrow. It's impossible to do, but you can get this, the process started. You can get the ball rolling by having cap space and opportunity and going into 2025, you could be a big spender. And it's more important that uh, you get top end type of players than it is that you just get like average player. Like you can find average players in free agency and so forth. It's really important that you get top end players. So if you get top end quarterback play, you can work around those other things. You know, you could definitely, you could definitely work around those other things. All right. Let me, uh, let me keep scrolling here. Well, I have to uh, put all compliments on the screen. Horsefeather said the book was great, so I hope your promo uh, there generates lots of interest. Thank you, Horsefeathers. I'm really happy that you got it and that you enjoyed it. It was a really fun story to tell. Um, and, you know, actually, I mean, it was it was really cool giving Ed McCaffrey my book. That, that was actually pretty cool. It was not cool lugging a book bag full of books through the Las Vegas airport, which if you've been here, it's a hike to get out of there. That was not fun. Uh, Dan points out that the 2014 Vikings were a compelling, exciting team, seven and nine. That's right. And went into that off season excited. That's right. You can have that. You can have that exact recreation 
next year. You probably cannot have 2017 next year because you need just so much of a better roster. Um, let's see. Uh, Adnan, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, says, I'm tired of just get a quarterback next year argument. Get your quarterback now. Stop delaying the inevitable. Well, you and I are on the same page with that. I guess all, all I'm saying is that quarterbacks who have been mocked in this range, like Hendon Hooker, like Desmond Ritter, sometimes they're just not first round quarterbacks. Now, I think that at least one of these guys is, but if they're not, then it's really hard to say to the Vikings, just grab one or whatever, if they're not evaluated that way. Um, Jamie says, scouts are saying the 2025 draft class won't be anything like 2024. Yeah. What I've heard about 2024 from the start was that it was going to be very good. And now we're like past the senior bowl going, wait, is it any good? I don't know. And uh, we'll see what comes out at uh, the NFL combine. Those numbers on the mock draft database, uh, I th they put charts of everybody's ups and downs. It's a fun website to toy around with. And what you see is that they fluctuate a lot during draft season. So right now they're projected late first, but that could change depending on Intel that comes out and so forth. So, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know where those guys are going to land, but I'm, I am definitely team just take one, like just take a quarterback. The Vikings don't usually do that. I think that they should. It's just that if it's a Desmond Ritter situation and the league thinks the guy's a third round pick, well, then I guess you can't do it. Right. It's sort of like in a little bit like Will Levis, where the Vikings pass on him and go, Oh, really? And the guy doesn't go till the second round early in the second, but like, Oh, all the teams thought the same thing. I get it now. Uh, Jay says tackles are cheaper and easier to find in free agency. Orlando Brown jr. 16 per year than some of the premium positions. Do you agree? I do not agree uh, with that because the thing is that the reason tackles are cheaper in free agency is because they never become free agents, not the great ones. Orlando Brown Jr. is just a guy. Like Respect to him. Mahomes was able to win a Super Bowl with him as his tackle. So he's got a ring. He doesn't have to give it back because I said he's not that great. He's not Christian Derrissaw. If you have a great left tackle, it's a cheat code. It's 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 To me, it's one of, still one of the most important positions on the field, both tackles. Pre pressure, like go look at the numbers from when a quarterback is under pressure and when they aren't. It matters a lot. It matters a lot when guys are under pressure. I mean, quarterback ratings drop by 40 points when somebody's under pressure, 30 points when someone's under pressure. If I can keep them from allowing the best player on the other team rushing the passer to get after my quarterback, lefty, righty, don't matter. That That's a guy I'm keeping. That's a guy I'm paying. That's very important to me. Uh, Spencer says, hypothetical, would you trade up to pick six or seven? If there was a Teddy Bridgewater duplicate, we could call him Freddie Ridgewater. Well, uh, if you told me that that quarterback was going to become where Teddy was headed with his career, like won a division played very well in a run first offense, and then was about to explode, uh, with good wide receivers, because remember in 2015, he had very bad receiving. They had Mike Wallace, Charles Johnson, like Diggs was just showing up. If you were going to give Teddy Bridgewater Diggs Thielen after that, then I think his numbers were going to increase. He was going to get better. 
never happened because of the knee injury, et cetera. But if you were telling me that someone could give you that level of where, where I think he was going, which was probably going to be a top 10 quarterback, but not a top five, uh, maybe 10 ish. I would absolutely take the 13th best quarterback in the NFL on a rookie contract. I would not take him on a $40 million contract. I would take him on a $10 million contract. So if that's what Teddy was going to become and you had to pick him high, absolutely because of the advantages for being able to build around that player. Uh, Adnan says our situation is perfect for a rookie quarterback to progress Two premium tackles, great weapons. You really can't lose there. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is when we talk about the odds, one of the things that we do is we look back in history, we go, all right, who succeeded, who failed? Like, that's how we do it. How many succeeded? How many failed? But out of 30 quarterbacks who've been taken in the first or second, I don't know how many have, but let's just say the last 30, how much did situation play into all of it? And look, Patrick Mahomes was probably going to be good for anybody. I know I've heard the like, oh, well, he got with Andy Reid. It helps, but the guy is so freakishly gifted. But how many quarterbacks who are good, how many quarterbacks uh, end up being good because of the situation? If Jordan Love plays right away, are we talking about today? I mean, maybe, maybe he'd fight through it or maybe he'd have his confidence destroyed. If Justin Fields lands in the right situation, does he develop faster and become a better quarterback by now? And I think the Vikings can give a quarterback the best opportunity. And look, if he stinks, he stinks. Like, that's going to happen. But I think you have a chance to weigh those odds in your favor. So I saw a tweet of, like, only 38% of quarterbacks who are first-rounders are successful. And, of course, they said that, like, Ryan Tannehill wasn't a good pick. Yeah, I think Ryan Tannehill was a, a good pick, but the Dolphins were bad at the time. And he had a good season or two. And they were a middling team, but had they been a great roster and really well coached, see what I mean? Like maybe Ryan Tannehill ends up being a really good quarterback early in his career because once he had those things, he was really good and he won the AFC at one point. So uh, a lot of it plays into it. If you could give me a Ryan Tannehill caliber quarterback, four years of a rookie deal, Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson, I'll take my chances. I will take my chances. Is it perfect? No, but most of the time it's not. So you have to get, a window to win with that guy. Hunter says pretty exciting talking about the possibilities of the quarterback position. Isn't it? It is. It, it is. It is probably the most excited. This is the thing. I am an hour and a half into this and there are a lot of people watching, you know, if I was doing this before Vikings Bengals, I would have quit at 40 minutes because there would have been a handful of you watching. And I love all of you who are that loyal, but this is the most excited the fans have been in a long time, at least for my sense of talking to you guys all the time, is just the possibilities that could come along with this quarterback position being open. Uh, Adnan, I see this all the time that Quasi never wanted Addison. Look, if Quasi never wanted Addison, he wouldn't have picked him. All right. Like he's the guy who's running the personnel. I, Vikings entertainment should regret putting that out there because those conversations happen all the time. They like all the time where the GM's talking about trading down. The coach wants to make the pick like that's every draft room. So I don't think that they, I don't think that they knew that people would interpret this as like Quasi doesn't even know how to pick the good players and they should like, I don't know. That's, that's been frustrating to see that pop up. I just don't understand that. Like they're always going to have those discussions. 
JP North says trading back into the first round for a quarterback works. If you're okay with two or three second tier guys, you may not exactly uh, get your guy. That is very true. And that's kind of like what we're talking about here is if they really like one of those three guys, if Kevin O'Connell is like, you know what? I'm good. I am good with JJ McCarthy. That's my guy. Then I could highly support, very highly support. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm reading more comments at the same time. Uh, so I like I could very highly support them doing that if Kevin O'Connell really, really wants him. Uh, what about Bob? This this is a this is going to like tinfoil hat level. Uh, I've watched the VEN videos of draft coverage the last two years. There are segments of pleading and disbelief between KOC and Quasi. I mean, it. The, the team could have never like this is put out by the team. Okay. Like if they, if they thought that there was like screaming at each other or real, like what you guys are describing. And I watched this video. I, I, I was like, okay, I mean, so, somebody's going to have to point to me to the point in the video. This is like a back into the left situation. Uh, Jamie ordered the book. Thank you very much, Jamie. Appreciate that. Uh, it's like, it, it, but it's like, it is like, a who like JFK situation with you guys in this Vikings entertainment thing with, uh, KOC and, and Quasi. But I do, I do think though, I do think though, that this is one of those situations and this is one of those times that can create a lot of tension. I don't think that the Jordan Addison pick, like, I don't know. I mean, look, you're going to have people who are debating what to do in the draft in the draft room. That's, it's like another movie reference here. There's no fighting in the war room. Like, come on. It's a draft room in the NFL. Like there's going to be, that's where they're trying to build is like these tense moments of like, will they draft him or not? They did. Uh, so anyway, uh, Oh, Alexander makes a good point. Uh, do you realize that you have to chart every single training camp throw? If they pick a quarterback, you're right about that. I have always been really against that. Um, I know that Patriots do it. Patriots writers, Green Bay writers do it. Uh, Jordan Love went six for nine today. And I'm like, okay, uh, that's good, I guess. Uh, usually I go off of the feel, you know, the, the, do I feel like the offense was operating uh, well in training camp? And I don't track, but people will be very interested in what the numbers are. So they probably will want us to to track and tell you, hey, he was, uh, you know, eight for 14 or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Dr. Strangelove, that is correct. Yes, no fighting in the war room. I knew somebody would get it. Good job. Good job. All-time great movie. Uh, ben says, how about taking an edge corner DT and uh, uh, and your top four couldn't be bad. Take Rattler early on. Well, you got, yeah, I mean, look. Nothing is going to be more helpful than the quarterback. The quarterback will solve a lot of other problems. That's the thing is that it all trickles down from there. I was arguing with somebody about Patrick Mahomes and I was like, well, you know, Kansas city did the right thing moving on from Tyree kill. And their argument was like, can you imagine how good the chiefs offense would be if they had Tyree kill? And I said, good enough to be in the super bowl. I mean, and like twice in a row, and, uh, so you, yes, that's a little bit of an outlier situation, uh, as far as a quarterback completely solving all of your problems like Mahomes, but they do it in lots of different ways. 
And some of it could be, like I mentioned about Jaden Daniels impacting the run game. Some of it could just be that you have money to, to get those things. Like if you're, if you're drafting Spencer Rattler in the fourth, the chances that that actually works are extremely, extremely low. I mean, that's like a one in 25 type of draft pick that's going to work in the fourth. Uh, I mean, I would rather take my coin flip with the first and then figure out the rest later. And the reality is you're just not going to be able to do it very quickly. Uh, it's going to take a little bit of time. So we'll see how it all kind of, kind of plays out. Anyway, well, uh, I'm going to talk with uh, Jeremiah Searles tomorrow. We're trying to set it up amidst all the radio hits. Uh, again, I mean, I guess I should show you guys the book again because that's why I'm out in Vegas here. Football is a numbers game. Sorry that there's a Philadelphia Eagle on the front. There's a reason for that. Uh, you'll have to read the book to find out why. But thanks so much, everybody, for hanging out. This has been a really awesome, really awesome and energetic chat and had no plans to actually go on for this long because I have to get up early tomorrow, but I was just, I was just loving it. So thanks everybody for participating. I had a lot of fun with you guys. Um, I'll be back home on Thursday, Thursday night. We'll go live. Might do it Wednesday too. I'm flying back on Wednesday. So I might go live and do another chat with you guys, with you guys doing this having this many good questions, comments, and thoughts about this team makes me want to do it more often. So uh, plan on Wednesday night around the same time, 8 Central, and uh, we'll see you guys then. Thanks so much, everybody.